Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. All right, guys, happy Wednesday. This is the Women in Gridiron podcast, episode number four. I'm Stacey Spear, and I'm here with the best in the business. I've got no bliss tonight, but I've got Beck and I've got Christy. And this week on the show, we are heading down south and into the Gridiron New South Wales competition. All right, guys, I have a question to start us off. It's a would you rather. So we've all played in games where we struggle not only against our opponents, but sometimes and quite often the weather. So my question for you guys is, would you rather play in 40 degree heat or torrential rain? And for me, I think that the rain is is this great leveler. I think the greatest games are when it's pouring rain, it's muddy, everything's soaked, like like everything, everything is soaked. The chances of fumbles are greater. And Beck, I mean, you and I, we played a game against each other a couple of years ago with a scoreline of 6-2 in a mud pit and I always think that like you remember the games a little bit more when it's kind of like hey remember that game with all the rain you know I'm 100% on your side I will take rain and mud any day over a 40 degree heat like especially being a defensive player like it's so much more opportunity for you know turnovers big clashes it's always going to be a heavy run game so you get in the group big tackles all that kind of stuff 100% would rather that than be sweating my tits off and not having enough air to breathe in my lungs while trying to run at the same time. Like, yeah, no rain for me. And uh, hey, Christy, you know, that Nationals that we played back in 2016, it was up in Queensland. It was a fly-in, fly-out. It was 38 degrees, and I swear that felt like hell on earth, like rain-boiling, conditioned black kind of heat. So I guess what, what would you rather? Well, I am from Queensland, so we get both. Um, and I don't mind the heat, but as a running back, I love the torrential uh, rain because it means it's going to be a run game for sure, and I don't mind watching defenders slide on by when you're on with them. So sorry, Beck, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I'll play in both, but I think that torrential downpour has a bit more of an advantage and uh, plays to me a little bit better. <laughs> totally vulnerable. It's kind of like your brain boils or you end up soaked to the core and covered in leeches, you know. It's fun yeah. playing football in Australia, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's get straight into the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We hit. Is that all you got? If you think it's only a man's game, well, you're sadly mistaken. Football is the exact opposite. Women can be aggressive. They can be physical. All right, so Gridiron New South Wales has been around since 2013, a year later than both Victoria and Queensland. And we started with, with four teams at seven aside. The first female coach in Gridiron New South Wales and potentially Australia, Beck, you might know this, but I might need to do a bit of a proper fact check in, in Tiff Bosco, winning the Opal Bowl number two with UTS. We, as a, as a competition, we trialled a nine-a-side um, 
in 2016, but we've played seven aside since, hopefully moving to nine aside as soon as we're back. Now, the argument here is always go 11 aside, and that's that's the natural progression. But in terms of the numbers, New South Wales is one of the strongest participation rates in, in the Australian League with massive growth over the last two years. And, and before COVID hit, recruitment was really good. So, Christy, Queensland ran that 11 aside as a full season competition last year and, and you struggled this year with player numbers. Should, you know, the question is, should 11 aside be the end goal for all leagues in Australia? Yeah, so um, I, I'm going to preface all my answer with saying I love 11 aside um, and I definitely have a bias towards that. And, yes, we did have an 11 aside exhibition season um, last season. Um, and it was due to a couple of things that happened there. And I think what we learned from that was whilst it was great um, to do and great to play 11 aside again, I think uh, we have to be smart about it. Timing is really, really important with these sorts of things because I think we were talking before um, that it has to be when teams are ready and it has to be a, a conscious decision. I, I think um, that being said, we've played nine aside since our second season. So we too started as seven aside with three teams in our inaugural season. Uh, and then we moved to nine aside second season. That was smart. That was when we were building and um, growing. And I think there was an opportunity that we may have missed in Queensland when we had seven women club teams um, for nine aside. And I think that might have been a better time for us to try and really instead of expanding to new clubs, actually consolidating those teams and building them up to 11 aside. Um, and the reason I would like to move to 11 aside is I'm thinking at that international level where we can play um, for Australia and be competitive over there. Beck, you know, the same, same question to you. Should 11 aside be where Gridiron New South Wales ends up in the next couple of years? Or, you know, is it really sort of that methodology of the more players you have, the better pathways and the better longevity of the competition. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to judge on with what's happened with our season so far, being that we did start at seven aside and we did have those four teams that, you know, were fairly competitive with each other and had decent numbers in and what happened that season or why we struggled so much that it kind of it made our our league fall apart a little bit. And I think we had to go back to seven aside and rebuild and start all over again. So like Christy said, we really have to be conscious of the timing and make sure that all teams are well-equipped and ready to move to that. Like the decision to go to Ninerside in our next coming season, it wasn't just sprung on clubs. It wasn't a last-minute decision. We have been working towards building and building so that clubs can be ready and are recruiting for that. So when we do decide to move in move to 11 aside I think we have to have that same mentality in mind and you know be prepared prepare the clubs this is the plan this is the time frame this is how what you're going to need to recruit and do all that kind of stuff so that we can have 11 aside and be competitive at national state I mean like when you watch football you know NFL college it's all 11 aside so all the football that people out there are watching at a higher level are all 11 aside so when you go back and you start playing seven aside and nine aside it doesn't really match up the playbooks are a little bit different the plays are a little bit different and like if you are playing nine aside when we do go to national or even state I think is playing 11 aside now it's a pretty big gap going from a seven aside playbook to an 11 aside playbook so for New South Wales to be competitive in state level I think eventually we will need to move to 11 aside within the state. 
Yeah, and I think that there's a couple of methodologies and, and different perspectives that you can take on that. I think for me, it's about building that pathway. And, and I guess if you look at the, the British American Football Association model in the UK, they started out in 2012, so the same year as Queensland and Victoria, and they started at five aside just to get the momentum building. So now they've moved up to seven aside uh, and nine aside a decade in, but they run that 11 aside series, their Sapphire series as their pathway to the 11 aside for World Cup. So the way that we work, we run our nationals at an 11 aside, hopefully next time we get nationals up and running and look at that as a, as like that one-off scouting opportunity for World Cup. So you know, for me, it's it's the more girls that we have playing, the better talent we get come through due to there being more opportunities to compete for positions. I think that that's, that's where it comes down to when you really want that top talent moving through. All right, from a, you know, from a Grenade New South Wales standpoint, there are a lot of things that um, Grenade New, New South Wales has done really well over the last couple of years. And, and I think one of the standout things has been having film and huddle available to every team um, from, you know, from GNSW. They essentially went out and bought every team a huddle subscription. Um, you know, for those clubs that didn't have film cameras, they we provided, you know, the film. We had to provide our filmers, but the cameras were all set up and, and that film was pretty much available the next day. Beck, you know that I love to watch film. Um, you know, there were, there were weeks where I go 40 hours of watching, you know, in-season film, but... You know, how beneficial do you think that that film is when you're obviously we don't have the opportunity to train as often as we like. Um, so film is the next best thing. Like, how do you think that helped during the season? Oh, it was awesome. Coming from someone who'd never used Huddle before, like last season was the first time I'd ever had access to Huddle. I mean, we'd have film before, but I think Huddle just makes it a little bit different because you can add in, you know, little comments and remarks. You know, you can stop film and really go in depth about what you're watching and what you're seeing and how you're making reads or whether the play is going the right way, like a hundred percent beneficial. I think it made our season so much more easier to prepare for games and prepare for training, having that access to us anytime, anywhere. Like I could be, you know, on the train going somewhere and I was watching huddle and I was catching up on film or, you know, sitting at the doctors waiting in the waiting room for half an hour watching huddle where before that, the only time we could watch film was if we were all together in a room with that video recording, you know, sitting there talking about it, discussing it. So if, if you could, I think it would be something that you could look at across the country, like making it available to everyone. Cause I think it's definitely, it's like having a third coach, like it's definitely one of those things that makes your season so much better and easier. Oh, it, um, I've got to reiterate what Beck was saying. It is that third coach. It's visual learning, but it's in, it allows for that scenario explanation because when we're at training, coaches are trying to anticipate the scenario that your team will be in and, and game plan for that. It's when we get into scenarios that we're perhaps not familiar or it's a slight uh, wrinkle of the scenario and just showing them okay when you're in this position in this situation you need to do this and it starts to really open up that that knowledge gap um, and I'll take it one step further and I think one thing that um, you and um, some other coaches have really helped with is how to watch film as well because one of the exciting things about gridiron is watching yourself and you're looking for your highlight reels and I remember coach Konecki from um, my Chicago force team one time we had won uh, that first game something 80 something nil and we went to film review 
And he did say, if you think this is going to be an effing highlight reel watch, then you're going to be sadly mistaken. So you can find, even in an 80 nil win, you can find things to improve on. But it's really important that you also teach players how to watch it, how to break that that field. And it huddles it, an extremely um, good uh, software to do that. But teaching people how, what to look for and how to self-coach so that you can be sitting in a doctor's uh, waiting room watching and really critiquing yourself and then going to training and working on those things. Yeah. I completely agree, and that's exactly right, and it's such a valid point that you make there, Christy, about what to watch for on film, you know, because we've got those learners, and in every team, there's the ones that get it by just explaining it to them, there's the ones that need to walk through it, and then there's the ones that need to see what they need to see, because there's no point in repping something a hundred times if you can't see that the every single time of that hundred times you're doing that rep, your foot is in the wrong place. You know, and it's those small things that you're looking at. And, and, you know, from a knowledge standpoint, it's really the best way to improve your football knowledge. And, you know, I have to throw this back to, you know, one of my very first coaches in Dane Robertson, my very first training session uh, for football, he told me that I wasn't fast and I wasn't strong. And that was supposed to be a compliment sandwich. Um, so I decided I had to be smarter. And in order to do that, I had to watch a lot of film. I watched everything and I still do it. I listen to everything. I absorb everything. So if you're not strong and you're not fast, get smart and you can still play football. I wanted, I wanted to talk about New South Wales Coyotes. Now, Christy, I wanted to throw this back to the very beginning. We were all bright, young, eager footballers back in the early days. And look, I, I really just want to preface this with New South Wales, we weren't great. Um, we, we weren't great at all. There were consecutive games of blowout domination by a Queensland side, 50 to nil. I mean, it wasn't uncommon, but at least can we say that from 2018 Nationals, Christy, we, we got a little bit better. Did New South Wales get a little bit better? Absolutely. Um, and I, but even in our first um state against the Coyotes. I remember some really big talent there that I actually didn't see flow on for a couple of years. Um, so um, I'm not sure what your retention rate was like at Coyotes there, but um, I definitely think you have got better. And I, I think why Queensland is so dominant at the moment is a part to do with um, we moved to, ne- to Niner side uh, in that second season. We've got that experience at Niner side um, and uh, that's what we play. Well, up until now, that's what we've played national. So it's, it's, there's been no adjustment for us there. And I, um, we've always played full special teams and um, we even during those years, we were able to, to actually start to find your niche special teams position players and um, all of that sort of stuff, but also um players start to rather than playing both sides they start to really start to work in that one position or one um you know key role that they have in a team yeah you're exactly right and you know what I've what I wish that New South Wales kind of took on a little bit more was a little bit of that succession planning and you mentioned it where you start getting a little bit more specialized in your certain positions you know you think special teams you think Kestra Trias Mono um knee married what's her name Bessie Bessie right and uh she's uh I mean we can't talk enough about Kesha but this is not about Queensland but I think from a New South Wales perspective we have gone through a lot of churn through and and I really think that the last nationals was kind of that moment for us and Beck obviously watching it from the outside you didn't get to play but there was a real cohesion in the competition after that nationals in 2018 and I think from uh from a player's perspective 
you know, we could start to see those pieces kind of fall into place. And I guess, Beck, we were obviously in training for the next nationals when COVID hit for the first time. Knowing what we had done over the last couple of seasons, what do you what did, would you have made of our chances against Queensland Victoria had the national season kind of gone ahead? You know what? I was actually super impressed and super surprised with the number of girls that were showing up to training every week pre-COVID for the like upcoming nationals. Like we had massive receiver groups, we had massive running back groups, we had a like a full O-line with backups. Like there were so many girls showing up, and that just shows you know, how much cohesion there is within the league and the teams playing against each other, how much we want to play together. Um, so, yeah, I think the fact that we were able to come together, we were showing up for training every week for each other um, coming into the season. I also like how um, the style changed on the way that we played state last 2018. Was that elastic? Yeah. When it went from instead of flying in and flying out, like he's actually went over and did a state camp and stayed together for the full week. And I think that would have made a massive difference within the team and the cohesion and just being around each other and getting to know each other because, you know, we don't all play on teams together outside of state. So we don't really spend that much time together and get to know each other as well as you would have at state. So I think that that would have translated into the next upcoming state and give. I think we would have had a really decent chance. I mean, I would have got to play, so. Yeah, would have finally been tackled by your back. Look out. Um, but I, I agree. I was nervous. I was nervous because, um, uh, got to say it, we're three times champion, right? And the worst C word is complacency. And I was really scared for Queensland doing that. And you guys, you know, you've been there from the start too. And you are probably feeling you deserve Friggin win so there's that just fire that just, starts to burn just just one I, I said this all last camp last national campaign I'm like I don't want to win the whole thing I just want to win a game just a game I really would think be nice. we had the team to do it this season too mm. like this upcoming state I really think that we had a really great opportunity because we had depth and we had versatility we had you know lots of different like you said we had those niche players to fit in specific plays and positions and yeah, it was looking really good. Unfortunately, COVID hit, but hopefully we can bounce back and be yeah. just as more prepared for the next state. Yeah. So, you know, bringing me to that, there's, there's a little bit of an exciting news. Uh, you know, Gridiron New South Wales and Gridiron Victoria have confirmed an interstate clash, a border battle, um, which is actually quite coincidental because, you know, in our group chat, uh, literally a couple of days before this got announced, I was I was mentioning that we should have this border battle. Either we go down to somewhere near Victoria or we go up somewhere uh, north to, to Queensland. But this battle is going to be between the Coyotes and the Victorian Eagles in scheduled for June 2022. And I don't have much by way of details at the moment, but that's still super exciting both for us and Victoria, that we've kind of got something to train for. And, you know, in in the spirit of us being way too early for picking things, I really want your guys' early predictions here. Who's taking out the interstate clash in 2022? Beck? I mean, I'm going to be biased and say us, of course. Like, not even a question. We are going to go down to Victoria and smash it. I think, I mean, look, I have to reference this back to one of the the best games that that New South Wales has ever played was against Victoria at Nationals. Um, our defense kept them out until the very last quarter, and it, and it was literally you know those those QB sneaks that just they get lucky that got us you know in the end. And and for us 
for the defensive side of the ball, we felt that that was as good as a, as a win. I mean, I would like that W at some point, but, you know, I think it's going to be an, an excellent game. Christy, what's your opinion? Oh, well, firstly, I'm just jealous. So just figuring out how I changed my residential address to a to a New South Wales or a Victoria address. Um, not that either team needs me. I'm just wanting to, to so keen to play, so keen to play. Um, so, oh, great. Ask the Queenslanders to have well uh, on, this, on this podcast right now. I would say on paper, given uh, the, nine, the state and the nine-a-side experience, you'd have to go with Victoria. But... My heart is going with New South Wales because I think you guys want it more because you've been denied it. And I just think that just adds something to it. So I'm actually sorry, Bliss, but I'm going to say New South Wales. Hang on, I just have to, I have to pull up. Um, <laughs> Bliss sent in her, uh, her, her, uh, her predictions for this one and uh yeah she, she didn't said, miss that no not at all not at all she couldn't be here tonight but uh she's she's very victoria is here in spirit she said that she's going to be biased and say big to win i mean that's all that's all she's got to say with that but uh you know <laughs> that's that's Already? still fun she's gone she's coming out early coming out early i like <laughs> it i like it all right so wrapping up green island new south wales from a club perspective if we go over the teams we've got the central coast sharks we've got the central west giants we've got sydney uni lions northern sydney rebels and the new south wales raiders plus a potential nepean ducks team for 2022 beck what did you make of the standard of competition last year you know what i thought we all competed really well together like i think every team even though some of the games the scores might not have matched what it looked like on the field. I think we all fielded teams really well. We were able to fit positions. You know, you didn't see a lot of teams where players were playing both ways. Like we were able to have an offense and a defense throughout every single club, which was really good to see. Cause I think the last few years um, we've struggled a little bit in numbers wise towards the back end of the season. And we're ha- having a lot of players playing both ways. And when you get that, like it's it's exhausting playing one way, let alone two ways. So then the kind of standard of football drops a little bit because everyone's tired, you know, they're playing their hardest, but it's it's hard being out there all the time. So I think this year we were able to um, maintain that level of competitiveness throughout the whole season. So, yeah, it was good. I, it was good to see. And then especially coming into the Opal Bowl, like that was a great game to watch. It definitely was. It definitely won for the ages. And, uh, if, you know, we look a little bit at that situation with the Opal Bowl for 2020. Um, the NSW Raiders, they actually currently hold the title of the most championships in a row with three in a row um, in Australia and the most titles in Australia with four over their win in 2019. So then we've obviously got the Sydney Uni Lions coming in with one championship. And then most recently, the Northern Sydney Rebels coming away with their first title in 2020 and also currently hold a record of the most times runner-up in a final. And I have to have to mention these stats are from my good friend Scott Smith in WA, so shout-out to him for keeping such amazing records. And I think it's safe to say that the UNSW Raiders were a dominant force. I mean, four championships is a hell of a ride, let alone undefeated for three years, back to back to back. Christy, from a coaching and ex-player, not ex-player, from a coaching and player perspective, how hard is it to go back to back to back and and what pressures are there once you win that first one 
it's it becomes really difficult to lead as a leader to really um to uh because it's it's easy to have a chip on your shoulder and that burn um but like i said before that complacency that's really hard to keep at bay and that becomes more and more difficult so um sometimes a loss is 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 the best thing that can happen for a team because everybody loves a comeback. Um, and I, I, I've seen that I've had, I've never quite cracked the three in a row championship mark. And I find that third year the most difficult to just, just make sure that everyone's putting in, we're on the same, putting in the same effort, turning up to training, all of those sorts of things, because it, we always remember it as happening so easily previously when it hasn't, that all that work has earned it and we have to keep working to earn it again. And people are after you, you're targeted, you have to get better every year because they're coming. They're, they're learning about you. They learn how you play. So, yeah. Yeah, it's harder. Definitely, and and you know, I was actually playing in that game with you, yeah, with the Raiders, and uh, I tell you, that was the hardest game that I think the hardest championship game we ever played because I feel like if that game had gone on any more for you know and any extra 10 minutes we could have lost like I fully believe that that could have been the situation just because of the elements that you mentioned there Christy we'll go into that when we talk about the UNSW Raiders and you know I wanted to say to the listeners out there like we're going to be going into detail with all these teams and all these clubs during this podcast so make sure you stay tuned for more Gridiron New South Wales information but uh, talking about championships, uh, we've got a good one. It's coming up in rapid fire. Hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right. Let's set the scene. UNSW Raiders, top seed in 2020. Heavy favorites. Northern Sydney Rebels, second seed underdogs. This was a rematch from the 2019 game where the Raiders got up over the Rebels. But if you listen to our NFL podcast here at the network, we love an underdog. And this game went into double overtime. A first for any Opal Bowl. It was pouring rain. It was just it was just all the things that you want to see in a championship. Christy, there were so many moments in this game. What What stood out for you? So I think I was thinking, okay, seven aside, it's going to be dynamic, running on the outside, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but my goodness, wasn't it a muscle up? I really enjoyed it. So I've got to shout out to the Rebels defense. I thought they made some pretty epic, epic plays at the right moments. Um, and I got to call out number 99, Vic. Vic Latu. Vic Latu. So she's she's one of your mates. She's Liz Patu's uh, Wallaroo friend. That makes sense. That makes complete sense to me now. Um, but yes, she was phenomenal. She is Although not that's... an easy girl to tackle. From experience, no. she's not a fun person to tackle. I, I, I believe you. Um, she actually reminds me of Danielle Stosey so or Ducky. As yeah, but know. running yeah. the ball, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah running it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And Beck, you know, uh, you know, we were watching that game live and the stadium was just electric. Like there was a there was a point, I think, in the second overtime where more supporters were moving over to the Raiders side of the field where it was pouring rain, not undercover at all. So you could just see the intensity within this game. What was your what was your highlight? Oh, I have to say the second half comeback from the Rebels. Like, I mean, when you're in an Opal Bowl game and you're losing at halftime by as much as they were, you kind of go into the locker room a little bit defeated, a little bit deflated. You're kind of like, 
what are we doing wrong? What do we have to do better? How do we come back from this? And I mean, I was not expecting them to come out the way that they did, but they come out firing. Like they defense showed up, offense made some big plays, special teams made some big plays to get them the ball back. And they brought this game back to a tied game. And like you said, it went into double overtime. So that second half comeback was just phenomenal. I think it made the game even more exciting than it already was. Bliss sent in her uh, her highlights here. She said Pierre Pritchard was her halftime MVP with five tackles, and she was just all over the place that game. Obviously, exited early with a, uh, a pretty badly dislocated thumb. Um, and she also gives a shout out to number ninety nine Viglar too, who was also my MVP of the day. Um, you know, she had that blocked punt uh, that really changed the momentum. It really did, uh, and it was kind of that moment where. You know, I feel like she could have picked it up and ran with it into the end zone. And I spoke to her after the game. I said, you know, why didn't you pick up this ball? And she's like, coach told me just to jump on it, which I mean, you know, you block a punt, just get on the ball, right? Don't think about picking it up. You could fumble it, but, you know, same, same. But she was such a beast. Um, You know, the Raiders, they put up a pretty good show. And, you know, that reverse that, you know, the UNSW Raiders were so renowned for for their the entire season ended up coming off for them once during that game. So that was really, really good as well. But, you know, again, this this game was a battle for the ages. And I'm actually going to throw a link in the show notes if you guys wanted to have a watch. I apologize in advance for my commentary. Um, and you have to listen to my nasally voice for an entire 90 minutes with overtime, two overtimes. But make sure you hit us up in the comments on social. I want to know what was your guys' highlights from the game. All right, guys, that's that's pretty much all the time that we've got for tonight. I wanted to thank my amazing panel for signing on for a season of talking all things women in gridiron and helping spread the word about the game we love. To our listeners, thank you so much for your support on social media since we've launched. It's been amazing to reach out to you all. We really hope that you've enjoyed tonight's episode. And if you did, please download, download, download. Check us out on the socials. We're on all platforms. Share this episode with family and friends and new players that you want to recruit, and we'll see you all next week. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.